Welcome back to Retail Therapy on the Sunday Scaries podcast feed. My name's Will DeFreeze. With me today, my loyal co-host, Barrett Dudley. Barrett, how's it going? It's going all right. Uh, just, uh, you know, recovering. Not really recovering. It's not like I had a crazy weekend. But I, you know, I had several white Negronis to celebrate Memorial Big. Day weekend. Big. Um, as as mentioned already, that is the drink of the summer. So I was, you know, I was dishing those up at home. Had a little frozen marg yesterday at, uh, mm-hmm. at Fressa's on mm-hmm. South First Street, but it was a lazy weekend, so I'm I'm, I'm actually okay. I, I I can officially say that I am, after that 30 second intro, I am recovered. I didn't I didn't have any uh, possible drinks of the summer this weekend. Not happy with that. Not no, not no. proud to announce yeah. that to anybody. Uh, but yeah, I went just classic light beers, margaritas. <laughs> And uh, I had a little ranch water last night. Okay. An unexpected right. yeah. uh, ranch water offering that I took them up on. So Nothing like yes. closing out the weekend with uh, with tequila. Yeah, you know? I, I I'm normally not a, <laughs> uh, a a you know a Sunday cocktail haver. Yeah. But it was Monday. It was Memorial Day. That's right. So I was That's like, right. you know what? It's you got to do weekend. something a little festive. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And I, I think I was kind of reeling. I I have to admit, Barrett. Um, as we know, and as all the listeners know, there's been several times where we've talked about what we're going to wear to certain events. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kentucky Derby, Italian weddings, sure, things like that. And I went to the Dead & Company concert this past weekend, and I, I, I hate to tell everyone that I, I don't think I did a good job getting dressed. I looked around the venue <laughs> and I thought to myself, man, some of these people are so well-dressed right now, but in such a chill manner. Huh. I was just devastated. What were you, what, what, you know, what were you seeing out there that you were loving? I was just seeing, what I learned is that what you need to have there, you can't just have some new tie-dye shirt. You need to make sure that the graphic on that tie-dye shirt has been washed at least a hundred times before you actually wear it out to the concert and look legit to everybody. Okay. I didn't even wear tie-dye because I didn't want to be a poser. Right. I don't like being a poser. I, I wasn't trying to be a poser. You haven't reached tie-dye status. Yet. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so I'm hoping by the next time they like have- Sally has reached tie-dye status. Though. Yeah. Sally yeah. <laughs> Sally somehow like has become like a deadhead in the last few weeks. Like She's bobbing along to songs in the car. She's mm-hmm. wearing tie-dye everywhere. Yeah. She's really yeah. just embraced the, embraced the culture, which is beautiful to see. Where, where Wears Birkenstock Boston's one time. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there was no shortage of Birkenstocks there. I'll tell you that. And my, I, I will say I do have a little bit of credibility because I took my Birkenstocks off at the hotel, and Sally said, "What's that smell?" And I said, "Those are my Birks." <laughs> yep. I, so yeah. I, okay. Well, I have so that you, little. You did achieve. Honor. You you did unlock one new status. Then I did. So that's I good. did. Um, how are you doing today, Barrett? I had to cancel on uh, drinks with you the other day. Yeah, yeah. We um, that led to us. Well, I mean, we tried to fill your shoes, but um, but it was it, it was pretty short notice, and we didn't want to go solo. It wasn't a solo, you know. It just wasn't the day wasn't right for a for a little solo day date, and so we ended up canceling as well. But that's okay. I'm that, sorry to hear the that. olive oil martini is still it's still there, it still will be had and consumed at some point over the next month or so. We'll make it happen. Yeah. I'm not too worried about it. I did do something today I've never done before. What's that? I picked up some shoes from a cobbler. <laughs> okay. I, I I wasn't I didn't even know they were called cobblers, yeah, but it, it yeah. makes me feel like I am part of like the Canterbury Tales or something, like t- calling someone a cobbler. Did you get something resold? So I had I didn't know this. Uh let me go down a little footwear journey with Let's, my yeah. with my Let's people out it. here. Um I had bought a pair of loafers for my wedding. I bought a pair of Belgian Mr. Casual loafers that have a felt bottom. And I'm not very deep in the loafer game. I don't really know how to operate when it comes to loafers. And so I started doing a little research on it and I knew that I needed to get them resold at some point. So finally I was like, you know what, I'm going to do some research on it. And I realized that I had been doing this wrong the entire time. 
You're supposed to wear them for about 20 hours in your, in your normal wear. Just wear them around, do whatever you want to do for about 20 hours to wear them in and really get your foot feeling comfortable in there. And then from there, you need, you need to get a three millimeter rubber sole put on the bottom of them. And I had no clue you even needed to do this. So I could have easily ruined the nicest pair of shoes that I own simply by being ignorant and not doing my research and not taking proper care of them. So the the sole that comes on them is felt? It's a felt sole covered in a thin layer of leather. Of leather, yeah, yeah. And so yes. once yeah. you start wearing through the leather though, and you start getting down to the felt, that's when they say that you'll start to ruin the shoes. That's right, uh, okay. And so I, I had no clue that this even happened. I felt like such an idiot. Yeah. And so I don't want anyone else out there to feel bad about this. And so I took it in and they tried to convince me just to do a, a, a sole on the, um, like kind of the ball of your foot and the toes, like up there, the yeah. front rubber. I, I thought that was fine. And then the more research I started doing, the more I realized, no, 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 that is not what they are telling you to do. I need to go get the entire bottom of this shoe resold. So for, for the Belgian loafers specifically, there are, 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 detailed instructions on what you should do, how you should treat them and what type of sole you should put on. And based on what I've seen, there's a lot of uh, a lot of other companies that are coming out now that are, for the lack of a better term, jacking the swag of the, the Belgian loafer. And they're coming out with very similar pairs. And so if you find a more frugally uh, or more, you know, fairly priced shoe, by all means, make sure that you're treating them well and make sure that you're doing the same thing. But I just do worry that there's people out there like me who have no clue that they might ruin their loafers just by simply ignoring the fact that you need to take care of them. Well, this does, I mean, you bring up a, a, an opportunity for a, a public service announcement here, which is, I don't know, it, I'm sure that that a lot of our listeners out there have acquired a pair of dress shoes or dress loafers with a leather-soled bottom, maybe mm -hmm. even boots, Yeah, you know, a Chelsea boot. Um, and you you put these on and you find yourself kind of slipping, sliding around. Yes. And what, what you're describing with what you're, what you're supposed to do with the Belgian loafers, where you kind of wear them and you get a little bit of traction going on that leather, and then you apply something to them, mm -hmm. is definitely, it's a, it's a smart way to go and it preserves the soles of leather shoes. Now, what the, what, what the cobbler kind of wanted to do, I think is like what you more traditionally do with like a dress shoe or a loafer, yeah. which is you either put that like, the, just a piece of that rubber, like on the ball and the heel, or you can do what's called a topi. Which is like a little like metal click. That's what we were gonna do at the toe. We thought about doing that. Yeah, um, all ways to alleviate you from um, you know busting your ass on that slick leather sole, which uh, which also wears really quickly. So if you're especially like you know if you're wearing them a lot, if you're walking in them, if they're not you know exclusively like an event gala wedding shoe that type of thing then yeah, definitely a, a trip to the cobbler might be in order for you. I, I'm a huge fan of cobblers now. I picked them up. I, 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 I put them in my driver's side seat uh, the entire time and just looked at them as on my entire drive home, safely, kinda, of course. Kind of like you got a new pair of shoes on. Exactly, right? exactly. Yeah. yeah, it was very exciting. And and to anyone out there wondering how much that, that process costs, it was about $70 in total when it was all said and done. And to preserve a very nice pair of shoes, I think that's well worth it. And I was very happy with that. But yeah, I, I thought, you know what, I can't I can't just get some, some nice shoes resold and not talk about them on the podcast. I would also like to say that there aren't many podcasts out there going straight from dead concerts to Belgian loafers. So that, that was an unbelievable segue that I think was is really only possible here at Retail Therapy. Yeah, if you're listening out there, just know that you're hearing greatness right now. <laughs> uh, if, you're, if you're new to Retail Therapy, we welcome you to the program. Uh, please go follow us at retail.pod on Instagram. That's where you can get all the updates from us. You can also get updates from at sunday.scaries on Instagram as well. If you want to watch our episodes, go to youtube.com slash Podcast. And if you want the listener companions, which we compile that have all the information you need from today's episode, head over to willdefreeze.substack.com. All the links to everything are in the description 
of this episode. But before we get into today, let's hear from our friends over at Shopify. If I'm not a person who enjoys notifications all the time, but one notification I enjoy getting is from our friends over at Shopify. It's the sound of another sale. And it's just a great time to be a business when you hear that that uh, that cash register going. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. So you can be selling anything from Slam's laptop hats to branded t-shirts to really anything. And Shopify simplifies selling online and in person so you can focus on successfully growing your business. They cover every sales channel from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform. It even lets you sell across social media marketplaces like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And it's packed with industry-leading tools ready to ignite your growth. Shopify gives you complete control over your business and brand without having to learn any new skills or des in design and code. I mean, I, I can do a little design. I can't code. Shopify makes it incredibly easy. And they have 24-7 help, an extensive business course library. They're there to support you every single step of the way. If you've purchased a, uh, I don't know, maybe you've purchased a Slam's Laptop Shut hat recently. Guess what? Let's do Shopify. That's all you need to know. There you go. If we're using it to sell our current stuff, you have to think to yourself, wait, that makes sense. It's your turn to get serious about selling and try Shopify today. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash scaries, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash scaries to take your business to the next level today. Again, that's shopify.com slash scaries. Barrett, earlier today... We record on Tuesdays. That's right. Earlier today, I put something up on the Sunday Scaries Instagram story. I've been hearing a lot lately about the uh, term everything showers. If you're not familiar with an everything shower, an everything shower is essentially just something where you uh, go in the shower for as long as you need and you take care of every single possible physical thing you can take care of, <laughs> as normal or as gross or as weird as it could be. And I have to admit, ever since I heard the term, it was one of those terms where I just knew what it meant. Like Sally and I think Brett talked about it. And the second they said it, I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Um, are you familiar with everything showers? And are you uh, are you a partaker yourself? Well, I'm I'm familiar with it because uh, I, I follow all of the wash media accounts, but I also saw that you posted about it mm -hmm. on, you know, Sunday.scaries on Instagram. And uh, like you, I, I knew immediately what, what this was, or at least I something immediately popped into my head and, and I, I was correct about what this was. I'm not a partaker though. I'm not. And it, it, here's why. Maybe it's because my bathroom at home is very small. Okay. Um, I think that, that could play a factor. But, but I need a spa setting for this type of thing. I get it. You know, I, I, I want a robe that's more comfortable than anything I own at home. I want, I want a mattress and a comforter and sheets that are like three times more expensive than I can afford to like, to, to be waiting for me outside of the shower. I, you know, it's just, I want like a very elevated experience. So this, this type of, this type of kind of self-indulgence that goes for an hour, two hours, four hours in my own personal home, no thank you. So if you're on vacation, let's say you're on vacation, you got some time to kill. Are you willing to to dive into an everything shower on vacation? Yeah, I think I think so. It sounds like something that, you know, let's say you're 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 somewhere tropical and, and suddenly a storm blows in. Mm -hmm. You know, there's there's no pool that day. That sounds like the perfect opportunity for so, for an everything shower. If you just happen to be, I don't know, taking a trip with your wife on an anniversary <laughs> and you guys go to Southern California uh -huh, and it's 45 uh -huh. raining and windy on the coast the entire time. So you just 
strike a deal with the uh, staff at the uh, hotel spa and they let you go in every day for free. Yeah. Like you're talking about something like that, that. That's the type of everything shower that, that I can get behind. And I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to come right out and say it, that I disagree with, uh, with the New York post Gen Z headline, uh, where they say Gen Z says three hour, everything showers are a quote, Better than sex. I don't know, Barrett. You're, I'm going to take the sex. Thank doesn't you. sound like you've been in a three-hour everything <laughs> shower, my friend. It's, you know what I have been in? A hot tub for like 15 minutes. And that's Prune City, man. I, that, that, that's no good for me. I want to get out ahead of this. I understand how devastating these everything showers could be to the environment if we just keep on doing it. If we, <laughs> if we normalize everything showers, we're going to have a major problem. Nobody, okay, nobody needs an everything, everything shower eh, well, more, than, more than once a week. That, see, that's the thing. That's the thing. If you're taking more than one a week, it's not an everything shower anymore. You're just wasteful. I think I think you're allowed one a week. Because this is like this is look. I I, I know I, we have you know we have very refined listeners here at Retail Therapy. Nobody nobody out there is that, that that listens to this podcast is shampooing their hair more than a, a two to three times a week. Well, you shouldn't. Be. Right. That's what I'm saying. You shouldn't. Be. And our yeah. listeners know that. Yeah. So you're not shampooing every every day. You're not conditioning every day. You're probably not shaving every day. You're not shaving your legs every day. Yet, uh, you know, like 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 uh, I'm not saying that we're all out here taking horse baths, but like. <laughs> But a little, a little soap, a little face wash, that's like... <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. I When I actually think of my everything shower... And so I, I put up a prompt on Sunday Scaries. You'll be able to read uh, a bunch of people's responses uh, whenever that's up. You'll get an email about it if you're subscribed. Uh, I will put those up. I have gotten hundreds of responses to this. <laughs> and I have to admit, it's kind of relaxing to read through how people relax. Uh, it's also... Uh, I also feel like I'm violating people by reading how they take showers. That being said, I think I was very clear in that their responses might get used. So everything was relatively appropriate. But when I think about how long I actually take a shower for, I think my normal shower is about... And by shower, I mean I enter the bathroom... I take a shower and I do anything else that is spa related. It takes me about 12 minutes in total to be completely done with everything I need done. That is fast. That's I'm very quick. Fast. I'm quick. I hate, to, I mean, and, but I also have been known to take two showers a day. So I don't necessarily need okay. a long morning shower. When I take what, I, what the will defreeze classic, everything shower, I think it's about a 40 minute process. Okay. It seems like a, a relatively long time for a guy like me. But no, I think that's I I, I think that's fair, and and I'm, I I think you're going to kind of tell us what's in your everything shower, Are you ready? and 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 then I'll I'll offer some some additional insight. Okay, all my everything showers, every single everything shower I take takes place at night. I can't have anything getting in the way, so I clear my schedule and I make sure that if I'm getting in the shower, Fritz is down, Sally is home, I have nothing to worry about. Which is why I start mine off with either probably like a early bird gummy or a hit of a weed pen or something to really get in the zone and really tune out. Uh, from there, while I'm letting the steam shower go, I like to brush my teeth, do some nose hair trimming of some sort, mm -hmm, whatever mm -hmm. it may be. Kind of those small little crevasses that I like to get into. It's something that you want to be able to like wash off, you know, while you get in the shower. And, and that seems to happen. Uh, I do have some Bluetooth speakers within my shower that I play some, I have a steam shower they playlist. They pump right into the shower. They do. I don't know how it works. That's I don't know it. how these things don't short out regularly, but I do have a steam shower playlist that is essentially just a bunch of like extremely zen, uh, I don't know. Like it's mostly Enya? It's like, yeah, Enya and like like Japanese spa music. <laughs> okay. Like, and, and that's exactly, it's, it's very uh, intentional. I get in the shower. I've got my indigo sage essential oils that just smell so good. I wash and condition my hair. I've been stealing my wife's uh, conditioner and shampoo lately. I don't even know how to say it. O-U-A-I -A -A is, uh, is the brand name. Way. 
I've just been saying way. So it's that's way. correct. It's, it's way. Okay, yeah, that's the, big for the, me. The the um I the I've got a couple of hair products, including a dry shampoo, that are way. Yeah. Whenever I look at it, I t I say to myself way, but then when I get on a podcast, I overthink it and guy gets scared because that's what I do. Uh, necessary body wash, eucalyptus style, Jack Black beard wash, get all up in there. Oh, it's the best. And then whatever facial scrubs uh, Sally has on hand that month, I might uh might do a little face washing. But then from there. I slowly turn the shower down into a cold shower. I like the the rush of blood that I or get when I just start going. Towel off, shave my beard lines outside of the shower while I'm all, my pores are all popping. Might get some uh, facial cream. And then uh, I might put on a little high-end deodorant. I like smelling good no matter what, even yeah, if I'm just yeah, getting yeah. in bed. So I just do a little high-end deodorant, maybe a little spritz of cologne, toss on the robe and get in bed. That's that's my everything shower. So this is, this is uh, once again, just to, to clarify, this is like a pre-bed routine. Yes. Okay. Yes. Right. We okay. always, you know, having a, a child, mm -hmm. we have a two-year-old. He is big on taking baths at this point. He looks forward to it. He likes it. We don't have a traditional bath. We just have the steam shower. So we have to buy him a blow-up bath that he gets in and plays in the steam shower. And so we end up taking a steam shower. One of us usually takes one at night no matter what. Uh, but like I said, this happens once he's down because I need to make sure that I don't need to get taken out of this. And uh, Sally will tell you, and she'll probably tell you in an aggressive manner, that if somebody walks into the bathroom when I'm in there and I'm getting uh, getting pretty, <laughs> I will throw an absolute fit. I, I don't know why. I have a complex about it where I'm just like, no, we're not doing this right now. Like, you need to get out of this bathroom. Don't interrupt it's your me. your me time. Yeah. yeah. I, I, for some reason, it drives me crazy. Drives me absolutely insane. Well, so th th that's where I think it's it, we we have kind of an interesting divide a little bit because when I think of when I get closest to an everything shower, it's actually like a pre going out thing. That is when I find myself doing like the most primping and going through most of my you know my my processes, if you will. Um, I now, think that makes more sense than what I do. you know. So now I'm a, so I like to have rather than a CBD gummy, I like to maybe have like a shower beer or a cocktail sitting on the um, sitting on the counter, sitting mm -hmm. on the on the uh, on the courts there. And uh, I am I'm I'm notably a I'm 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 a, essentially an HEB like you can buy it at the grocery store shower in in shower products guy. Really, nothing, I did not expect no, that. From nothing you. that I use inside the shower is expensive at the moment. Because you haven't gotten your uh, your Hinoki shampoo I never pulled, yet from I never your, from your trig on Leila Bo Hinoki shampoo. See, I, I I'm an idiot, and I did. <laughs> like you, I, you're. I'm so sick of your fucking wish list because now I'm just buying stuff from it, being like, oh, that dude Barrett's gonna get that, and I'm gonna be really jealous when he does. I'm literally wearing shorts right now, Barrett, that you had on your wish list oh, the last Todd, time. The Todd Snyder ones. I've got yes. the Tom Snyder boys on right Hell now. Yeah. Did yeah, you they, go five inch or go seven? -ish? I went five inch. Probably should have gone seven. Okay, I gotta I gotta see these things because I one of the thing reasons why I, why it didn't become an imminent cop for me, I still got my shopping bag sitting open is because I could not, I was frozen by the choice between five and seven. Inch. Well, here but we'll, we'll circle back to that. Well, depending on your waist size, maybe you can try these on and see, but okay. for me, they, they, I feel like they look like a swimsuit, which is fine, Yeah, which yeah. is fine. But what I really wanted was a pair of shorts. I okay. probably should have gone seven inch and maybe gotten them hemmed a little. Yeah. Yeah. All anyway, right. So I, I interrupted. Okay. So dove is my, is my soap of choice. A gentle exfoliating one bar soap. And then I've also got like the dove charcoal men's body wash um for like post gym type stuff this is a brand that i just discovered at target it's called native and i like the coconut and vanilla shampoo and conditioner it's great it's like 10 bucks a bottle so that's that's uh that's the basics and then are you a uh, loofah boy and then face washes um here's another name i'm gonna botch saravi saravi 
Cerave? I've always in my head I've always said Cerave. Cerave? I, I, I have no fucking clue. Yeah, there yeah. No clue. There you go. Um, so I yeah, I used to be a loofah boy, and then I discovered this product that I, I can't even I I'll put it in the in the in the rundown. I'll put it in the uh in the Sunday digest that we that we send out for this for this podcast okay. because it's basically like a big sheet of loofah, if that makes sense. It's like a combination of a washcloth that's a that's a loof that's a loofah. It's great. It's nice. Uh, my silence is not <laughs> being dismissive. My silence is that I'm devastated that I haven't already been using something like this. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll 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 link it up. Um, but then it's 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 the post shower stuff, and that's like you you know you mentioned a little trimming here and there, maybe nose, maybe ears, and then I've got a like an like a an eye cream. From origins that's supposed to like brighten the under eyes that mm-hmm. I that, that I'll do a little bit before we go out. Maybe a little uh, eyebrow tweezing. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the, the the center it gets it gets messy in there. See, for for I'm so much I'm so driven by what goes on inside the shower that once I get out and in front of the sink, I feel like that's when I really start to not do as well. Okay, and I feel like that's where you really shine. yeah. My my the post shower is really where we I we should start where... showering together and we can like help each other out. <laughs> yeah. It's a tag team. It's a tag team type of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's a relay. Um, and then, and then, yeah, like, uh, I, I, I talked to uh, maybe a month or two ago about Leila Beau fragrance. I've really been feeling the matcha, uh, the matcha 26, I believe it's called, which I just keep going to Nordstrom and asking for samples of, and, um, that, that has been working so far. Uh, well, I and, mean, uh, you have a gift card with them. You can, I don't have a gift card any longer. I'm proud to admit you, you, yeah, yeah. I've spent all my money. <laughs> I'm clutching onto mine for for dear life. I knew that if I did that, um, I'd forget about it eventually. Yeah, so yeah. I just decided, Will, you're just going to go on a D- spending spree. The the Le Labo has been that that has definitely crossed my mind. I could actually get a a real a real bottle of this if I if I so chose. So, um, but yeah, yeah. So that's you know doing all those little kind of small things post shower that I maybe don't do like in the rush on the way out for work. That's where that's where I start you know really feeling this idea of the everything shower, which is not doesn't have to be contained to the physical shower space Correct. it kind of unfolds into the bathroom and mm-hmm. the, the you know the do you have any you step of yours that you shower. like look forward to the most or that makes you feel the most fresh at the end of the day i have i'll start and i'll let you think about it because the one thing that really makes me feel like i've really done something good is when when i really trim up my beard and i like shave my neck and i just have smooth skin all around the beard it and maybe put a little essential oil in the beard a little lotion it just there's something about that process that makes me feel like i'm my my cleanest my most together the best looking it's just something that i i i look forward to that part more than anything and i only do it once a week because any more of that and I'll start to irritate the skin on my neck or I'll over manicure my beard, which I don't want. But that, that in itself is like what I look forward to the most. I would say I feel the most accomplished when I take the time to not be feral in the evenings and wash my face before bed. And, uh, Laura has put me on to, um, a face serum by a brand called the ordinary. You, uh, you heard of this? I you have heard of this. I have. Um, when Sally came on, uh, she she came on. I forget why, but she absolutely rode for the ordinary. Okay. Apparently, you, they are very high quality products at a price point at that pr- should yeah, be much yeah. higher than it actually is, and so she she's a big fan. 
And the truth is, I don't even know which one it is. I don't. Need, I I don't know if it's the the hyaluronic acid. Or, it's probably the hyaluronic acid. Or if one I know of, how the, or one of these operates. others, the the, the niacinamide. I don't know because it might, it might not be the acid one. Because that's the other thing that Laura told me is that I'm putting too much acid on my face. All my face creams and my night creams, they've got too much acid. You don't want to go acid acid, unless you're at a dead show. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You got you 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 need like a peptide or some I don't know I don't know all the jargon I don't know but when I do a- I think there's like there's like a whole different level of scientific <laughs> knowledge that like people like you and I just aren't privy to yeah. because we don't know like we just don't deal we're not with paying this. attention yeah no. we're not we yes um, and they are and that's 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 why their skin looks the way it does and and um, you know that and, and that's what it is but but when I do the serum and then I do a night cream it's just it's that simple I'm like yeah I I, I was an adult today. Mm-hmm. See, I, you're better than me because unless I'm doing my everything shower routine, I never wash my face before getting in bed. The only thing I might I, do- This is not something that I do nightly. No. Like I said, like I mostly am like, I'm tired. I'm brushing my teeth and going to bed. I brush my teeth. Yeah. And if I've had a messy dinner, any type of finger food or anything, I'll wash my beard. Okay. And other than that, I just don't care. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to bed. Washing I'm, your beard doesn't count as washing your face? It's more of like- just the the area around my mouth that I wash. It's okay. just like I use a very tiny amount of Jack Black's beard wash. If anyone out there has a beard or is interested in Jack Black's beard wash, a little bit goes a long way, and I couldn't recommend it more. It's made my uh, skin underneath a lot less flaky. It's just a great thing. So go make that happen. I will also say that I've been slowly but surely testing a ton of body washes out here, and I will be putting out a review of each of them very soon. Wow. It's been a uh, big undertaking that I haven't talked about because I I didn't realize I was doing it until I looked around the other day and saw that I had like six different (laughs) nice body washes that were all like had a third left because I just go on to the next one. But I think it's time. I think it's time for me to do that. Um, You know what else it's time for? Talk aesthetics. It's been a minute. It has been. We've got two aesthetics that have really popped up lately. One is seems a little less serious than the other one, but uh, do you want to start with Tomato Girl or Europe Core? Um, let's knock Tomato Girl let's out. Let's do Tomato Girl. Because <laughs> I'm not totally certain what this is. So this is from a tweet. It was forwarded to me by a noted live event attendee, the real Cat Pat. And okay. she said, uh, she just sent this to me and said, this feels very retail therapy. And it says the multiple... Our multitude of TikTok aesthetics has gone too far. What is this? And it's called Tomato Girls. Tomato Girls, to me, almost looks like uh, if Bodie's color palette went ratchet and then... And then only wears red like or like, I like guess? accessorizes with a lot of red. I guess. And like eats bruschetta. I don't really know. Like in this in this thing, we're seeing red sambas, which everyone's saying sambas are cooked. We're seeing bagels with like capers and shit on them. We're seeing... Like, uh, just a lot of red? So I guess, like... All right. Uh, okay. This is... We're, we're just going to... We're going to go down the well here because okay. um, we may we may need a second bell, Randy, uh, to start ringing every time we mention Sambas in addition to Ame Leondor. Ring, uh, ring the bell. I think Sambas are getting far too much hate lately. Okay. Here's the thing. Yes, they are everywhere. There's a billion versions of them out there. They're all over archive pages and your Instagram feed. And like they're they're selling out left and right. And like, yes, like there is and GQ won't stop writing articles about them. But but and now now I'm I'm obviously I'm I'm semi-biased here because I did I was able to acquire a pair for Laura, just basic white OG sambas. Mm-hmm. But we were talking about this in in the uh in in a Discord as well, in the old Club Cool Discord, which anybody is welcome to join. You can just DM me. Um, about like, okay, all this talk about sambas, but are we actually seeing sambas? No. I, I see them a little bit, in, but not not I'm not seeing them too much. In New York, in Soho, 
Yeah, there were a fuckload of sambas. Yes. Not anywhere else. No. Like that is all it's it's so it's it's so kind of, you know, limited to the small cluster of basically like the Nolita dirtbags and the and those surrounding them and the and the and dirtbag adjacent. It's these people that are ruining them. Yeah. Or that are that yes. ruining them in quotes. And yes. They're but not like, ruined. You know, we uh, you you walk around the mall in Austin, for example, or the domain or wherever, and you're seeing like a you know a big cross section of this particular city, right? Whether it's young people or or guys our age or people older than us. Or so just like, sad that we're not a part of the first young people. Is that thing that you said? <laughs> yeah, young people. Yeah, and that just rolled off. Or the guys too. our age. <laughs> um, by young people, I mean like you know, fifteen to twenty-five type type of range, like yeah. the, the youths. I get it. The guys that we um, look at, we're like, oh, they're wearing this now. We're going to be wearing this in a month. There, there are no sambas. There are no sambas out there. Yeah. There, there are a few and far between. So, like, I totally understand that if you are online in the fashion space like we are, then you have this idea that they're played out and and, and cooked and all of that. Mm-hmm. But, like, uh, un- unless you're, like, traipsing around Soho four times a week, like, I, you're just not really seeing them out there that much. I agree. And so, my, my tolerance for the term cooked has also gone really far downhill lately. I feel like every single men's fashion blog or whatever that I follow has been overusing the word cooked lately. And I understand, but it's just wearing, it's wearing thin on me. Yeah. Essentially what this looks like to me is like you studied abroad in Italy for a little bit. Right. You moved back to the United States and you just got a little, I don't even know. It does. Well, you have like a, you have an herb farm in your backyard. It's going to segue nicely into our, into our Europe core aesthetic next, because it it does give kind of like a little bit of like the like surf core or peasant or or kind of Italian peasant Ooh. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. That's good. With a little bit of the you know like maybe some ruffles and some frilly sleeves, and then there obviously is I I, I was able to freeze right on this, um you know picture of bruschetta in this uh, in this reel. But like yeah, then I there I I think I just saw what I'm I'm gonna guess is a is a spritz of some sort mm-hmm. with with a mm-hmm. with a red aperitif, maybe Campari, maybe mom and pop, who knows. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's a little, I think it's connective, connected to, to Europe core, which I, I feel a, a larger connection to for, for me, for myself. Well, this says, and this is from Nylon magazine. I've really been enjoying some of Nylon's articles lately. It says, uh, enter Europe core, the latest aesthetic that captures Americans desire for international summer escapism. Puffy sleeves are encouraged. And reading a certain hunger in the front of the Eiffel Tower is peak Instagrammable, Instagrammable content. Participating in Europe Corps is all about wearing the type of flirty and frivolous clothes that you feel comfortable wearing on vacation but wouldn't usually wear at home. It's the hyper-feminine romanticization of your wardrobe with extra lace, frills, and pearls and silk pieces that represent the idea of a European vacation more than they reflect actual European fashion trends. And the, the, the examples they use here... We've got uh, Kim Kardashian in her uh, in her AS Roma jersey, which I don't know if this fits. I, I think this might be a miss from the actual authors of this because wearing a soccer jersey doesn't well, doesn't they, necessarily. They, they talk tell about me. how you're basically if you're not in like European vacation wear, then maybe this extends yeah. to like you know the the vintage soccer jersey or whatever. So it's it it's it's um, relative because. She's wearing a European soccer jersey, but I agree with you. It's not really, it definitely does not epitomize this look. I think what epitomize, I think honestly, the people that we have, we have two people we can really blame for this right now, or at least two people in in our world who we can blame for this right now. Uh, Ronnie Feig 
and Teddy Santis for doing all their lookbooks in either Europe or Greek sure. or Greece in just dope locations. And I feel like like I, all the guys like us who are kind of in that world and trying to you know take in that kind of content and seeing it, I think there's a lot of people out there who are tired of these lookbooks that all kind of look the same. But at the same time, when I'm dressing or when I'm shopping, when I'm trying to do something, a lot of the time I am doing it with the eye of like trying to look cool on vacation and also knowing that the cool vacation clothes might translate to Austin, Texas in a way. Yes. And I think that, so the, what, this article, the Europe core thing reminds me of two things. One, when we talked kind of in the, uh, the, the waning winter months about how like my entire explore feed was women that were actually in Europe. Mm -hmm. And so that was more layering more kind of like heavy coats and chunky knits, but it, it still, it translates to the summer version of that, which is this idea of just this very flowy kind of dreamlike version of, of the winter stuff. And it all feels like you're, you're, you know, out, outside of a little cottage in Italy or mm -hmm. something, or you're, or it, or it is maybe tied to like a Mulfi coast type type stuff. And then as far as, you know, like what, how this is translating to, to what we're buying and shopping and looking at, um, one, I, like two weeks ago, I just realized out of nowhere that like linen is all the way back. Oh yeah. Like linen is big everywhere. Linen. Um, and then think about like how big the crochet trend is. Yeah. Uh, I, we, we talked about that when we got back from New York that like every men's brand has a lace or a crochet shirt and every women's brand does too. There's all sorts of, there's lace cover-ups and there's lace tops and there's lace tie sweaters and there's lace, there's just crochet and lace everywhere, which also just kind of evokes that, that kind of, you know, that's not something normal. That's not something you're wearing into the office, mm -hmm. right? Like it all, it all has that kind of vacation vibe to it in a very kind of, in, in a way that feels very European and not very like, I don't know, Floridian, for example. Well, like you know, it we, doesn't feel like something that you would necessarily pull off in Destin. We as Americans, we, we look at Europe as a luxurious place. All the people that we see on Instagram who would be um, people that we look at for trend setting and things like that are vacationing already over constantly there. jet setting Sophia yeah. Ritchie is I mean she gets married in the south of France suddenly I want to go to the south of France we've got uh the Biebers just posting from uh I don't even know where they were they were in Italy they U probably UK I think they were in no but they they they, they also they, she yeah. also did a, a coastal trip okay we've got Kendall Jenner was on some coastal trip lately I think this all just uh you know relates to going to con and, and doing 17 minute standing uh, ovations so. for yes. anything yeah. how yeah. do you say it can can, can. I don't know I how to say can. it. I've, I've never gotten the invite, so I've, I've <laughs> declined to figure out how to say it. Next year. But it makes sense that like not only are we all looking at these photos all the time thinking like, oh, man, that looks great. But now everyone's looking at Sophia Richie's like wedding and like, yes, why wouldn't you want to go dress like her? She crushed it. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. if she's not on your mood board for what you're shopping for this summer, then like you're not really trying or you're just on a totally different wave, which is totally fine as well. You made a great point too, though, which is that uh, – it you know, not, I, I'm not going to make this about climate change, but maybe I'll make it about climate change. It, it's hot. It's really, really hot in the summer, especially where we live, but mm -hmm. in a lot of places. Right. Um, and so like this stuff does make sense for super hot weather. So it's a way to still be fashionable and in on trends, but be wearing breathable clothing that functions in 97 degree heat. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. It's a lot of skin buried. It's, it, uh, there's a lot of baggier silhouettes stuff that that lets let you get some airflow you know whereas like you know i think back six seven eight years i'm you know i'm not wearing my black saint laurent skinny jeans out there in july no 
No. And right? like, like a lot, honestly, I did so much shopping for Italy last year uh, leading up to it. I did do it with an eye for what I could also wear in Texas. But like now I don't have to really do that much shopping right now to get ready for summer this year because I have a lot of things that still look great from last summer that I'm excited to wear that I spent good money on that I'm excited to actually wear in a normal circumstance. So I don't know. I'm kind of, I think I'm in on Europe core uh, or I, vacation core as I just saw you pull up in some way. Yeah. They have to be related, right? Europe core and vacation core have to be like one of the same. Uh, th they feel very, very similar. They'd have to be. Yeah. They have to be. Because I don't think that any of us, when we, when we say the word vacation, I don't think we're necessarily thinking about like, you know, our, our run of the mill kind of like jaunts to places that we may be familiar with. Yeah. I think we're thinking of. I'm thinking of baller trips. Cool places, mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, exotic tropical locations or places in Europe that we've that we've only seen in, in postcards and that type of stuff. So mm -hmm. I, I like I think Vacation Core also also kind of captures it. Um and I'm 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 definitely I'm here for it. Well Barrett, I messed up earlier. I messed up big time. I was talking about my everything shower. I didn't even say one of my most important steps, oh, which is please, taking a neutrophil, my friend. <laughs> oh. You don't have to choose between better hair growth and your health. There's a holistic solution for men that promotes both healthier hair and whole body wellness. Of course, I'm talking about Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth, thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Nutrafol's hair growth nutraceuticals go beyond genetics to multi-target the root causes of thinning hair, including stress, hormones, nutrition, metabolism, aging, and lifestyle, all through whole body health. Physician formulated using natural medical-grade ingredients, Nutrafol's drug-free patent technology provides consistent, reliable results without compromising your sexual health. And in a clinical study, men showed progressive improvement in hair growth and thickness after three and six months. Nutrafol is trusted and recommended by over 3,000 doctors, so you know it's good. And guess what? It looks good on your countertop. The, the bottle itself is absolutely beautiful. It just makes you want to take it and keep taking it because you don't mind having it out. You too can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering promo code SCARIES to save $10 off your first month subscription. This offer is only available in the U.S. for U.S. customers for a limited time plus free shipping on every single order. So get $10 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code SCARIES. Well, today, to finish things out, we have a uh, very special guest on the pod. Uh, from Sotheby's, we have the global head of fashion and accessories. Her name is Cynthia Holton, and we uh, talked to her remotely today. And we discussed everything from uh, Luxury Week that Sotheby's is currently launching on uh, June 1st. So if you're listening to this episode, it's going on right now, um, to her experience with handbags, to a uh, bidding war that Barrett got into with Kim Kardashian over That's some right. Princess Diana necklaces. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll kick it over there right now. Enjoy Cynthia's interview with us. Today, we speak with Cynthia Holton as the global head of fashion and accessories department at Sotheby's. Cynthia brings extensive experience from her time at StockX, Entropy, and The Real Real. And with Sotheby's Luxury Week upon us, what better time to talk to her than now? Cynthia, welcome to the show. Thank you. First and foremost, can you explain to us what Luxury Week is and why we should all be clamoring to uh, be a part of it? <laughs> Absolutely. So what is Luxury Week is basically um, a sale that we have at Sotheby's that really encompasses um, multiple luxury categories, including watches jewelry, handbags, sneakers, spirits, and wine and real estate. And so it's really a cross category of, you know, kind of best representation of all the luxury categories. 
and why you should care is uh, it's in New York. Uh, exhibits are open to the public. You can try on any of the watches and jewelry. So you can actually come into York Avenue at Sotheby's uh, between June uh, 1st through the 8th and um, try anything on. Are you allowed to uh, to taste the wine that's uh, that's up for auction? <laughs> <laughs> are they just are they, you know is it a little is it a, a, a tasting uh, service as well? So um, the wine and spirits <laughs> that we're auctioning, you don't get to taste. Okay. But often right. we do uh, during our um, opening uh, um, kind of happy hour. We do have we do have wine at our happy hour. Okay. All right. So there's you know you're going to ply us with something, but just not the you know not the crazy big four chateau. Uh, whatever the the one is that I can't think of right now yeah. from 1967. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get any cab francs from you know Frank Sinatra's private collection right. in his home and his wine cellar. Okay. Well, that's fair. That's fair. Um, but but Cynthia, when I when I think about Sotheby's, I mean, I just automatically think about like luxury and and, and high priced auctions and all of that. So is what is what what kind of separates Luxury Week is the the the, the exhibit of it all. Um, what separates it is, I think a lot of times Sotheby's people think of art. So okay. people think of painting, sculptures, um, and art. And Luxury Week is really highlighting the other $2 billion of our business, which is the non-art um, and interiors. Uh, I, yeah, I think I, just from from the retail therapy end of things, you know, we've We've covered the, the the Steve Jobs New Balance or Birkenstocks or whatever it was, mm-hmm. and you know Michael Jordan sneakers have been sold, and memorabilia and collectibles and all that type of thing. So I think that that probably a lot of our listeners are pretty well versed in in, in this idea that Sotheby's auctions uh, a whole bunch of stuff. But um, but yeah, the the luxury week offering is something. Um, Will, where do you where do you want to start with with some questions about about the the watches and the jewels. Well, we have so many different brands and so many different things that go into Luxury Week. Can you kind of give a rundown of where a product starts and how it finds itself to be a part of the collections? Uh, how it becomes a part of our auctions? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, so if we think of how Sotheby's works is we have spe- specialists in all the different categories. So I have specialists that work in the fashion department. We have specialists in all the different categories. And what they do every day is they have relationships with collectors, um, with uh, different estates, and those types of relationships are what brings in the product to Sotheby's. Um, and then, you know, also uh, when when certain folks pass, also that also becomes when things become available. So it's a combination of collectors uh, wanting to uh, either move into other products, um, you know estates being available. That's kind of how the product comes to us. And it's based on all the different relationships that the specialists have with these collectors. So with, uh, with something like this, just absolutely stunning, the, the, uh, Estrella de, Fu- de Fura, Estrella de Fura. <laughs> Don't I look at I'm me. Saying, I believe I'm saying that correct. You know, we have an issue with pronunciation <laughs> on this podcast. It's a 55, uh, carat Ruby out of Mozambique. Is there like a, is, is, are you, are you kind of fighting with other auction houses to, to get your hands on, on this or the, uh, or the big pink diamond, the, the, uh, the eternal pink that's also on display? So absolutely. In many cases, um, collections are, are competitive and in some cases, uh, collections come to us purely based on relationships. So it really depends on the, the object and the category, but again, absolutely. Are some private collections, you know, the, 
the estate goes to goes out to multiple auction houses and they talk to different parties. They think about like what is the entire package of why you would come to us versus someone else. And then sometimes it's purely relationship driven where we have worked with the family or this collector for years. And when they're ready to uh, move certain objects, they come to us. So it's a combination of both. And then do they do they receive a, a certain fee? Do they get a percentage of the, the final sale price? How does that all factor in? Yeah, so um, there. So the way auctions work is there's called a hammer and then a buyer's premium. And the, the, there's a fee for the clients and then there's what the buyers pay. So um, normally our fee is 10% of hammer. So if an item sells for $100,000 hammer, the, the seller uh, pays a 10% fee and then the buyer pays the buyer's premium. And that's generally what Sotheby's collects. Obviously within that, the, those numbers, uh, you know, prices, what clients pay and what buyers pay can pay, can vary. Let's uh, let's talk about the buyers a little bit, um, you know, whether it's fine wine or the Paul Newman Rolexes or, or some of these massive gemstones. Um, does does an auction kick off? Is it is it live? Is it in person? Is it all done virtually now? Uh, so a huge percentage of our auctions are now online only. But for our very high value lots like the uh, the pink diamond, the giant ruby, some of the, the really high value watches, those actually will still be live auctions. Okay. Um, but the majority of our categories are online only. They are open from you know a certain period of time, and uh, bidders can come in at any point during that. In general, though, um, we tend to see the most activity when the auction first opens, and then when it, right as it's closing. And at, at those live auctions for the for the big the the, the big ticket, the big player boys, um, you know, I'm just picturing a scene out of like James Bond, right? With just you you know just this ultra classy event. Everybody's wearing like a mink fur coat. Is this all, is, is it just, are people just sending proxies here or is, is Jeff, Be- Jeff Bezos in like the 10th row just holding up his, you know, his number card? <laughs> so what's interesting is that many of our clients prefer to stay private. Of, I, um, yeah, that's, what, so that's they, what I expected. They, they, a lot of our top clients are, first of all, Sotheby's is very global. So um, a lot of clients aren't going to fly into York Avenue or New York to actually bid or be in person at the live auction. They bid over the phone. Um, interestingly enough, even though we have live auctions, a lot of our bidders actually come in online and very large bidders, often the winning bidders are self-service. They register and they bid online during a live auction. They aren't on the phone. They're not in person. Um, as, as we think of, especially in the luxury category, we increasingly have younger uh, bidders. They're very comfortable online. They don't want to be in person. I think also from a privacy perspective, people that are going to um, bid on the pink diamond uh, most likely, they're going to be on the phone or online, um, bidding um, digitally or over the phone. They're not going to be in person. And that's, I mean, that just plays into the to 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 global folks as well that can just be, you know, on their laptops at three a.m. Younger people that are that are more comfortable with uh, with the online option. I guess is that right? Yeah. So what we're seeing is that, um, especially in luxury, the. Um, we increasingly have younger uh, younger participants in the luxury categories. And as you stated, they're much more comfortable with uh, bidding online. They uh, prefer to you know, be self-service. They don't feel like they need to talk to someone on the phone about what they want to bid. Right. Um, and that's something that we're seeing even in our live auctions. So yeah. we do have auctions that are online only, but even during our live auctions, uh, when you watch the activity, you actually see some of the most active bidding come from online. 
Well, we uh, we get a little nervous with our, our our keyboard fingers dialing in numbers like four or five hundred, maybe for that uh, that new Bodhi shirt, right? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine typing in thirty five million? No, it'd be a little stressful. <laughs> I already yeah, I already worry about adding a couple zeros on places. Uh-huh. So I, yeah. it just it scares me a little bit. What 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 do you think happens to most of these items? Whether it's you know ma- do, do do watches get worn, do jewels get displayed, or do they are they all just like. You know, are they are are they more holding on to an asset, and do you think most of them go into safety deposit boxes and, and vaults and things like that? That's a great question. I think um, when we think of sports memorabilia, I think ultimately those items are definitely not worn. People buy them to display them. They buy them to uh, put them in some kind of you know showcase. So those items, you know, for the most part, are not worn. I'm going to uh, wear my get my game worn Michael Jordan jersey. Right? You know, I'm going <laughs> to you, you want to know what mold. it feels like to be Michael Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, some of our buyers and collectors may do that, but the majority <laughs> of them, when it comes to sports memorabilia, sports memorabilia they actually, um, they, they, they don't intend to wear them. That makes when sense. Jewelry, watches, and bags, it's, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. Um, you know, a lot of these items are purchased to, to wear and to, um, to enjoy, not just sit in a vault or think of it as a collectible asset. Um, but certainly if you collect uh, watches, you have more than one watch, you probably have 50 or 100 watches. So any single watch you're not going to wear every day, right? Same thing goes for jewelry. Our big collectors of, you know, some of these super, you know, $30 million diamonds, um, they're not wearing that diamond every day. But they may take it out and wear it to an event. Um, certainly we see celebrities on the red carpet wearing these incredible pieces. I think when it comes to these items, I think for a lot of people, watches are such a big deal for everybody. But I think what's really been top of mind for a lot of collectors, shoppers, whatever you want to call them, would be handbags. Can you kind of explain the state of handbags as it currently is right now? We hear so many terms thrown around about them, like them being investment pieces and things like that. Uh, Where are we currently just in terms of handbags in general, especially when it comes to uh, the Sotheby's kind of sector of everything? Yeah, I think for bags, we're, we're in a very supply-constrained market, and that's what's really driving prices and interest. Uh, Hermes is you know, by far and away the most valuable brand. Um, it's the bags that every collector is looking for, and there just aren't enough bags relative to the number of bags that people want. Um, in terms of thinking of them as, as things you collect and assets, they certainly do retain value. Hermes does way more than any other brand, Chanel second. Um, and then every other brand kind of drops off pretty pretty quickly in terms of retaining value. Um, but you know, Hermes, it's 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 just the you know they there was a recent um, a case study done by Business of Fashion talking about how Hermes is really you know how they created this strategy around quality, um, you know, scarcity, and they've really you know created a different brand in terms of, of what handbags are in the marketplace. So for 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 Rolex right now, for example, you know you you can attempt to go into an authorized dealer mm-hmm. and basically put your name in the hat to maybe get one of these like kind of very highly sought after uh, watches at the retail price. Is there is there any of that with with Hermes with the Birkins or the the, the Kelly bags? Like, is anybody yeah. getting them for retail at the moment? So that's exactly what's happening um, at Hermes. So uh, the limit. So there are what's called the um, the quota bags, so Birkins and Kellys, are bags that are the most highly sought after, the Birkin, I think, being the most sought after. And you can only buy two of these bags per year, even if you're a VIP client. And if you're just uh, someone coming off the street walking to an Hermes store, 
you can't buy any handbags. You can't buy a garden party. You can't buy okay. an Evelyn bag. Like you literally cannot buy any handbags in an Hermes store, um, much less a Birkin or a Kelly. And so that type of scarcity is what's really driving the secondary market. And um, and again, like you said, you could wait two years, you could wait five years, or you may never get a bag <laughs> um, just because, again, of that scarcity. And there's already a, a fairly large number of VIP clients that are regular regular customers coming in and, and purchasing these bags. But again, even they can only buy two. And so what's really driving the secondary market, which I think is super interesting, is some of these VIPs take whatever bag Hermes offers them. So it's maybe the color, the size, uh, style, they don't, they don't necessarily want, but they can sell it. And in many cases, the prices in the secondary market are two to three X retail. And so then they, they just use those proceeds and they don't care about paying a huge premium for the bag they actually want. Yeah. Very, very relative to the, to, to our knowledge around, you know, the sneaker game, the sneaker mm-hmm. resale game. And, and Cynthia, you have experience at StockX as well, right? Yep, absolutely. I was there um, super early days. It was me and 25 sneaker hats. So <laughs> I learned a lot about sneaker culture. Um, it was there, interestingly enough, I was there when the LV Supreme uh, dropped. And so it really helped the handbag category there because ultimately we had a male demographic um, and handbags took off. But basically, I was selling LV bags to men. I was right, right. LV Supreme to male buyers. We didn't have a very large female audience. But the timing was incredible because you saw all the lines globally around the world, people standing in line for the LV Supreme product. It came to StockX. Interestingly, both the fakes and the reels came to StockX I'm sure. in a record period of time. <laughs> so do you have on some uh, some some Louis Vuitton Air Force Ones as we speak? <laughs> <laughs> so so that so your point about do people wear the wear sneakers uh, or do they collect them? Um, many of our clients are wearing their hundred thousand dollar LV Air Force One sneakers, the Virgil ones that we uh, right. auctioned for twenty five million last year. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're they're made to be worn, as 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 people like to say. So you gotta I, you gotta take them out, and you gotta flex them. You have to. Yeah. I, I don't I don't want to be a part of any scenario <laughs> where people are buying these things and putting them away and just keeping them like that. I don't want that. With um, you know, so back back to the bags, Hermes, it's the clear cut number one, and then you mentioned Chanel. What you know? What where are buyers going after those two brands? Because the, the, those two loom so large, the prices are so high, and they've become so inaccessible. There's got to be kind of a downstream market effect here. What's what are people kind of trying to find themselves fitting yeah. into now? Um, you know, outside of those top two. So uh, LV and Goyard are clearly three and four. Okay. Um, Saint Goyard has the same thing. Very few retail locations. You can't buy it online, so they have similar. Uh, Similar kind of um, strategy as Hermes. Uh, so the totes, again, they're very popular. We sell them for sometimes 2x retail because you can't buy them online. So if you don't live near a Goyard store, you're not going to travel to a place where there's a Goyard store. You absolutely are going to you know, pay the premium and buy, them, buy it from us. The other thing that's super interesting about LV, I don't know if you've recently heard about, they're actually reducing the ability to buy their coated canvas and their core three materials. So the monogram, the Damia Dean, and the Damia Azor, you now have to get on a wait list to buy a Neverfull of one of the classics. Okay. And that wait list, um, you need to get on the wait list, and then you need to come into the store and purchase uh, a Neverfull bag, a $2,000 bag. And you just can't buy it online. You can't just walk into the store and buy it. Um, and it kind of, it's, it's two parts of their strategy. One is they want to create more exclusivity. 
I think the other part of their strategy is they really want to go sell a lot more of their leather bags that are significantly more expensive and also higher margin for the company. Um, and so they're taking a, a pretty aggressive stance in how they're thinking about uh, scarcity and, and access to their products also. It seems like everything is going this way when it comes to the scarcity model, when it comes to just everyone wanting something they can't have. I mean, is are all signs pointing to this being the absolute future for luxury brands? We're already seeing it with just, you know, regular clothing brands that Barrett and I shop all the time of not being able to get certain products unless you've previously purchased and you get an email from them on the early access list. I mean, is there any way around this or is this just kind of the climate that we're entering and going to have to exist in? I think it is the kind of thing we're going to see for the somewhat foreseeable future. It really helps brands retain, uh, you know, the what is luxury, right? Luxury, one part of luxury is inaccessibility, right? And, and exclusivity. And so if you can buy, you can walk into any store, you can buy it online, that really takes that away. And the other thing I think is luxury brands have learned if there's too much product out there, then ultimately then they're forced to either discount or it has a negative impact on their margins. So what they've done very effectively is not only create scarcity, but they've raised prices dramatically. Mm-hmm. So for handbags, right? Uh, Chanel, um, Hermes, all those bags uh, just continue to go up in price every single year. So they're doing two things. They're creating scarcity and raising prices at the same time. And I think that's here to st- stay because it's, it's incredibly successful from a business model perspective. Yeah, it's kind of, it, it, it's pretty interesting how they create the scarcity, which which creates the resale market, which mm-hmm. then allow gives them the flexibility to continue raising the prices to basically take more of that that margin, all of which leads me to to say, well, I think we should create a wait list to be able to listen to this podcast. True, it's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah, we need to make we need to make it much much more difficult to find this podcast everywhere <laughs> podcasts are found. Um, Cynthia, we we you know I think when you think about you know we, we've talked about Sotheby's maybe being most well known for for fine art, right? Um, and I, I feel like art is absolutely considered you know, its own asset class, the way that you might consider a, an ETF or a 401k or stocks the, with, with luxury items, sneakers, handbags, watches that over the course of the pandemic, it feels like they kind of transitioned into being their own asset class that people are investing in expecting growth, expecting appreciation. Or is that, do you think that's a bubble or do you think that like those types of items have, have kind of fully entered being an asset? I think that they absolutely are um, their own asset class. I think the uh, return on investment is the uh, is the most important nuance, though. Uh, I started out my career in investment banking, so I'm certainly aware of alternative assets, investing, all all those types of things. And so, if we think of uh, it's the details that matter, right? Um, so jewelry, yeah, you know, like you can polish it; it doesn't show wear. I mean, obviously, certain things can scratch. But jewelry can, um, if the item is, um, when it's purchased, it can retain its value because there isn't wear, right? Watches can, if you are going to wear it, watches are going to show wear and they can depreciate based on the condition. Same thing for sneakers. We talk about the Virgil Abloh sneakers, right? If you wear those sneakers out, they're going to be worth less if you go to resell them. Same thing for a handbag. If you're going to keep the bag in a box, it's going to be worth more than if you're, um, you're going to carry it around. And so I think it's the the other way I think to think about which is interesting is if I'm going to buy something that I really enjoy and I really care about luxury products, why don't I buy something that is going to retain more value than other luxury brands? So if I'm going to choose a handbag, why wouldn't I choose Hermes and Chanel over some other brands that don't retain the same value? 
because I, I love bags anyways, right? So why am I, I choose to carry the bag that's going to retain more value. And I think that's also a decision that younger collectors and younger buyers are making. They're saying, instead of buying lots of things, why don't I buy the things that I think are going to retain value? Yeah, that 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 thought process definitely, um, you know, became part of my judgment when when it came to shoes. Like for a while, I was really into like more higher end, like designer type of sneakers, but those you, you know would fall off a cliff as far as what they were worth. Whereas if you paid for whatever the hyped up Nike or Adidas or you know or, or Asics was that you knew that that was going to retain its value. And even if you did wear that pair of sneakers a few times or something like that, you could still get your money back when you were finished with them. So that, 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 that kind of thought process where it's like, well, you know, I, I could have this and it's not going to be worth anything, or I can just put that money here and it's going to retain that value. Like that's definitely a, a piece of the, 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 the young mindset, I think right now. Yeah. I mean, you have, you were having trouble the other day. I know when you were trying to buy something, Barrett, I know you were trying to buy a necklace online that uh -huh. was princess Diana's at one point and you were, you went up in a big bidding war That's right. against somebody. Um, <laughs> I mean, when it, when it comes to Royal you things, when, no, I, wasn't, I wasn't able to, uh, to fend her off. You know, we, we were dealing with just like just different size bank accounts and that's okay. <laughs> uh, can you speak to how the, the, you know, British culture, Royal, things like that, how that plays into this whole game, because I feel like so many of us look at, at the royals and just, you know, I mean, the royal family in general, and we get so excited about these things, and especially things that are linked with with Princess Diana um, and with, with some of her uh, things that have sold recently. Uh, can you just kind of talk about the world surrounding those things that have a little more meaning to them than just a designer label on them? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, items of provenance is really at the core of what a lot of what we sell at Sotheby's is, or right now we have Paul Newman's um, Daytonas, right? And and yes, they're Daytonas and people want Daytonas, but people want Paul Newman's Daytonas, right? And so if I think of the Princess Diana items, the, the dress that we sold, uh, it sold in, uh, she, this original sale was in 1997 for 79 gowns. Uh, the most expensive gown back then was $225,000. Fast forward to 2023, and one of those gowns that sold for $24,000 then sold for over $600,000 now. So certainly there has, you know, there are going to be no more gowns that Princess Diana is ever going to wear. <laughs> um, so that's part of the scarcity. I think also, um, as we think of uh, Sotheby's being such a global market, and the the admirers of Princess Diana are not are not limited to the U.S. and and the U.K. Right. There's global interest. Um, global museums are are interested in acquiring these items because of, you know, kind of what she stood for. There's this admiration of who she was globally. And that's really driven up a lot of the prices recently. So, Cynthia, if I'm hearing you correctly, what you're telling me is that I should empty out my 401k and go invest in whatever piece mm -hmm. of Princess Diana memorabilia mm -hmm. I can afford. Mm -hmm. Because that twenty four absolutely, I'm not, but I am not your financial planner, and it's been a very long time since I worked in investment banking. I mean that that twenty four thousand to that twenty. I was an analyst. I wasn't a personal financial advisor. Well, I'm just you know I'm back to talking ROI, and twenty four thousand to six hundred thousand sounds pretty good. It's not a bad return. It's it's interesting. I do think that you know. If we think of Michael Jordan, right, in the sneaker world, in the sports memorabilia world, um, I don't know when the next Michael Jordan is going to be um, be anointed, right? Like, who is the next Michael Jordan? 
I don't think we know. I don't think that person has really been identified yet, right? There are other athletes that are, you know, breaking records, but, you know, is Tom Brady a Michael Jordan? I don't think so, right? And so I think we have to, you know, that's part of the, the scarcity issue with a Princess Diana or, uh, you know, a Michael Jordan, like who is going to replace them? And until someone else becomes of that stature or of that collectability, um, of you know being admired so much, it's hard to think of what their prices are going to continue to go up for their objects. Well, out of all of these categories, we've talked about so many different things today. Um, you know, we've talked anything from handbags to art to watches to the wine collections. What personally for you makes you get excited when you see something uh, come in or when you see a collection out there? Is there is there one particular class that just makes you feel very excited, like you you just get pumped up? <laughs> well, since I since I run the fashion category, I certainly love the fashion category. I it's super fun to see younger, different types of collectors come in for for my category and bring a new audience to Sotheby's. Um, bring an earlier audience to Sotheby's. So, um, you know, people in their 20s and 30s are passionate about sneakers and Hermes just as much as people in their 40s and 50s. So I think that's exciting. Um, personally, I, I, I love bags and I love sneakers. <laughs> I learned a lot about sneaker culture when I was at StockX. So I kind of have this love of both those categories. And, you know, the, the fashion area of like the Princess Diana and of really provenance fashion is something that's new to Sotheby's and something we're really building out. We're doing a super exciting sale in September that I can't disclose details, but um, I think we're bringing something really exciting to market and um, I think we'll get a lot of global press. And that's what excites me, like doing new things at Sotheby's and bringing in new audience and new collectors. Where the... Oh, so I was just going to say, where are the best places to, to keep up with those updates? So, you know, you can certainly, uh, you can register um, uh, and create an account at Sotheby's. Uh, you can sign up for our emails. We, um, you know, we send out regular notifications of our sales, um, exhibits, upcoming events. And so you can get all that information by, um, by creating an account. And a simple account, you don't need to... Uh, for an auction, you need to, the account creation process is a little bit more extensive in order to participate and bid. But just to stay on top of what we're doing, um, you can just you know create an email, your name, um, some basic information. I've just pulled up the Dynasty Collection, the complete set of Michael Jordan's Air Jordan Six Championship sneakers. So maybe I'll you know I'll have, I'll have to, to to take my chances with this one, and hopefully Kim K won't won't outbid me again. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Well, Cynthia, thank you so much for joining <laughs> us today. If people do want to go check out the Luxury Week uh, offerings, can you remind us right now where they can go do that and the easiest way to check out everything? Yep, we are, um, Sotheby's New York headquarters is uh, York Avenue between, uh, between 71st and 76, 71st and 72nd Street. Um, it's open from June 1st to the 8th and the exhibits are open to the public. So you don't need to register in advance where uh, the offices are normally open from nine to five. And so you can just stop in and, and check out our exhibits during those days. Well, perfect. Thank you so much, Cynthia, for joining us. Hopefully we'll talk to you soon again, maybe about a collection in the future that you're not allowed to talk about yet. Yeah, yeah. Very exciting stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very, um, I'd be happy to come back and tell you all about that. Perfect. Of course, we were not going to leave you today without something we do every single week. And that, my friends, is our wish list. 
Barrett, do you want me to start or are you you good? Yeah, I'm going to start today. Okay. Um, because I'm I'm going to pull a few things up. I'm I'm audibling a little bit here because I'm not really going to give you like a wish list. I'm going to give you some imminent cops slash already shipped. Okay. Um, I you know by the time you're listening to this, I I may already be uh, on to the beach, onto my onto my own vacation where I'll be doing a little vacation vacation core slash Europe core of my own. I think Laura's Laura, I think Laura is going to pull it off uh, a, a better than I am. But uh, but I just wanted to run through a few things I picked up specifically for my beach trip in case you know y'all y'all are looking for for similar things to grab. So uh, I might the, I might have to do a mid uh, mid pod pivot on my wish list item if things go well right now. <laughs> the um the the first thing that that I grabbed is a pair of I needed new sandals. Uh, it was time to retire my old um my old hemp rainbows. They just, they look like they've been run over many, many times by a lawnmower. It was definitely time to get rid of those. Yeah. So, um, so instead I've, I've, I've opted for on, on the recommendation of, of many listeners out there, um, some EVA Birkenstock Arizonas. Okay. Now, okay. full disclosure, I originally ordered this very bright lime green color, which is my number one choice still, I think. And what happened? They were too big. I went with my Boston size and they were way too big. Okay. I'm glad you said that. I did the, ex- I've done the exact same thing. And if you are out there and I'm, I'm really glad that you did not keep them. And here's why. Um, these are not as strong, obviously, as the normal pair of Birkenstocks. Yeah. And what the problem that I've run into, because I got my normal size, they were, they fit very roomy, mm-hmm. but I was like, you know what? I don't really care. Yeah. They'll be fine. Uh, you catch your toe a lot on these, yeah, whether yeah. you're a toe dragger or not. You catch your toe, and these will break right at the toe. <laughs> like it will break off where the strap meets the toe. Okay. And so, if you are buying these yourself, uh, this is just to the general people. Make sure that you size down at least a little bit, or else you will break it. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't want, totally broken it you, yet. You want these to fit kind of, kind of st- real strapped to your feet. Not not a lot of room on either side. Yeah, so, mine mine are roomy, and it's truly stopped me from wearing them nearly as much as I could have. So I had to switch to the sky blue color, which reminds me personally of cotton candy. But um, you know, beggars can't be choosers, and I needed these for the trip coming up. But they're they're good. They're yeah, good. Yeah. But um, that 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 was purchase number one. Okay, purchase number two. I I wanted to add one pair of swim trunks to uh to my rotation for this trip. I might, I might absolutely steal these from you as I have swim trunks on my uh, short list today. Okay. And I've got, um, I've got a new brand that, that I really, really quite like. I'm quite taken with, I believe I mentioned their pants when I went to Toto Santos, because one of the pairs of linen pants that I ended up with was from this brand. I continued to shop them. And now there's like four different things that I want. The brand is OAS. And uh, and Ooh. I went with the with these Bohemia swim shorts from them. I'm in. I like these. Um, but they're do they do a bunch of really cool terry cloth. They've got a bunch of cool like you know more casual shorts and cottons and linens and all that type of stuff. Um, and I, I, yeah, I'm 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 very in on them because I had a good experience with the pants. We'll see how it goes with the swim trunks. I will report back in a couple of weeks. All I will right. be. Anxiously awaiting. And then the final thing uh, it, that, that I grabbed was just regular shorts. Uh, we already mentioned the, the Todd Snyder's, which, as I mentioned, I, I, I froze up on. I did not, I did not cop. Um, I did go with a pair of the Tech Doc shorts from J. Crew. I already knew I liked these from having a pair from last summer. And um, the fabric is awesome. 
the 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 six inches you know we we're talking about how they offer a five and a seven six is really the, that's my perfect that's my Same. perfect inseam Same. shout out to all the sixes out there um <laughs> so that's I, I i picked up a new pair of these as well and uh i'm i'm I'm, I'm hoping that they are equal to the quality that they were last year. Sometimes you never know with J. Crew. They do sometimes do a switcheroo on you. But um, but yeah, that's that, those are the things that I added from for for my trip. I think you're gonna like the way you look. Yeah, I think so too. Well, I've made a mistake. I I I, I have done very little research when it comes to swimsuits. But something I'm very severely lacking in right now is swimsuits. I have one that I bought last year that I really do enjoy. But it's one of these things where I, I can't just wear the exact same swimsuit to every single function I go to. Yeah, you got to have a few in the rotation. Yeah, man. you have to have at least two on vacation with you so that when one is drying from the day before, you have the other one to put in. That's and, correct. Uh, my first inclination was to go to a brand that we've talked about before on here, which is Manresa, that has some shorts that they essentially are billing as an alternative to Patagonia baggies. They don't directly say it, but they use the term baggy enough and allude to it being a better, <laughs> more pocketed version of okay. another baggy yes. short. I think I get it. Um, I was going to go with them, but now that you've, uh, brought up the OAS company, I, they have such a large selection. It's a, it's a vast array. And yes. it, it's also $15 <laughs> cheaper than these, which means that I think I'm going to have to do some shopping tonight. Uh, if you do want to go check out the ones that I was looking at, they're the Manresa corn neck shorts. These are green. They're pretty tactical. Uh, they're just kind of, yeah, they look pretty outdoorsy. Whereas, uh, these OAS shorts are a little more, uh. Party they're, boy. They're 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 more vacation core, yeah, man. You they know are. what I mean? They like, are like like you could be Dickie Greenleaf and, and and pop off in some of these. Now, some of them maybe are more suitable for the dead and coke they have, but they have so many different <laughs> pairs. Like I, I keep scrolling and it just keeps loading more. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you'll it'll take you a while to, to get through the whole site. <sighs> OAS is available at a bunch of other spots. I I directed you straight to the OAS website because that's where you can see the uh the entire collection, but but they're at a bunch of spots. They're at Huckberry and Revolve and Stag and and just you know search for them if you're interested and 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 they'll pop up at a, a spot that suits you. Well, I think that's all she wrote today, Barrett. I think so. We've got a big, uh, big. Barrett and I are both going on a little vacay this week, yeah. so uh, we'll be off the grid for a little bit. But uh, we'll be back in two weeks. Uh, I think we've got a lot to talk about. I think we're going to do a little in out talk. Ooh, uh, summer and out. We're both going. We're gonna we're gonna have some time away to really dig in, dive deep, and think. I'm going on Give an in-out sabbatical. To our, to our in-outs for summer. Yeah. 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 I think we also need to start talking about uh, reservation apps because this was a discussion mm. we had in, I think, New York, and it's something we haven't had time to do yet on the podcast. Yeah. There's also been some requests for uh, for, for just more shorts talk. And so that's, you're okay. doing your body wash research. Okay. I'm doing my shorts research. And, okay. and, and we're going to reconvene on those two topics as well, I think. So. I have purchased a couple pairs of shorts over the last uh, couple months in preparation for summer. And so while I don't have any plans to purchase any more, uh, I will come strapped with the knowledge that i have acquired over the last there couple months yes. not very much knowledge not very much well you've you've already locked down the the todd snyder review so that's that's big for us that is yeah. that is big yeah. yeah i i didn't feel good ordering these right <laughs> under you but i when once you put them up i was like oh yeah these are exactly what i need. I mean that yeah that's that's uh that's a feather in my cap i it's it's a, it's a compliment i had something else on before coming into the studio today and right before i walked out i saw these on the ground in my bedroom and i was like <laughs> I'm putting those on. I, I want to flex on Baird a little yeah, bit. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all she uh that's all she wrote. I think it's time to get out of here. We'll we'll see you guys in a couple weeks.